he occupies a piece of political ground that's become high profile even on Capitol Hill, in spite of the fact that he's a Democrat in the party out of power. Congressman Adam B. Schiff is one of the two Californians who sits atop what's become one of the most scrutinized committees in Congress, the House Intelligence Committee. The chairman is Republican Devin Nunes of Tulare. Schiff of Burbank is the committee's top Democrat. It falls to their committee, as it does to its Senate counterpart, to investigate Russia's meddling in the 2016 presidential election. Schiff analyzes the task before his committee and questions how President Donald Trump's credibility and ability are challenging bipartisanship, Congress, and the nation. Is it too soon to talk, as some people have, about a constitutional crisis? Well, it, it probably is too soon to talk about that. Um, certainly, if there was an administration that was ever likely to get into a, a problem of that uh, order of magnitude, uh, you'd have to say this one, given all the problems they've had just in the matter of the few weeks uh, that they've been in office. Uh, but, uh, but yes, I would hope it's too early to talk about that. The Intelligence Committee's dealing with a lot of questions regarding Russian interference in the election and any relationship the Trump campaign may have had with Russia. You've suggested a 9-11-style commission to look into all of this and its ramifications. What would that do? First, it would take the investigation uh, completely out of the political realm. Uh, like the 9-11 commission, you would have uh, people who are truly independent of the political process. And most important, when they were done with their report, it would be something that would be broadly accepted by now a deeply divided country. Uh, as it is, uh, we have two intelligence uh, committees doing the work, uh, one House, one Senate. Uh, so we want to make sure that the conclusions uh, that the community reached are supported by the evidence. But there are uh, other issues that we're also investigating. Uh, there is, of course, the very serious uh, set of allegations that there were uh, U.S. persons colluding with the Russians, uh, allegations that uh, there may be Trump people that colluded with the Russians. Those are among those most serious uh, issues we're looking at. But we also want to look at the U.S. government response. So when did we learn of what the Russians were doing? What was uh, uh, the U.S. government's uh, action uh, in response to that? Uh, was it vigorous enough? What can we learn from this? How do we prevent this from happening again? All of those questions uh, and more are what we're looking at. Uh, we know the Russians did this. I mean, that much is very clear. Uh, it wasn't China. It wasn't some 400-pound fat guy. Uh, we know that this was the Russians. But we should keep an open mind about whether U.S. persons were involved. Are your Republican colleagues on board with you to do that? Uh, you know, it is a bipartisan investigation. The chair and I have uh, agreed to a uh, very detailed multi-page scope of investigation, which includes uh, allegations of potential uh, collusion between the Trump campaign and the Kremlin. Uh, it also includes the issue of leaks, which uh, uh, a lot of my Republican colleagues are very intent to investigate. Uh, so it is bipartisan. Uh, we may run into obstacles. They may be political in nature. We may not get the approvals we need from the majority to issue the subpoenas that really should go out. If we get to that point, I'll be very public about it, uh, and I'll tell people that I don't think this is a credible investigation. But I want to make every effort I can uh, to do this in a nonpartisan way, because the only way we really are going to add value uh, is if somehow we're able to do this together and we can arrive at a common conclusion. But, but here's, I think, the, uh, the important point in terms of the committee. 
we're not going to have a situation where the chair and I agree on many things, or there, there certainly will be frequent disagreements, and you've heard some of them. But at the same time, uh, if there's a chance of us being able to do this together, that is really where the national interest lies. Until there's a formation of an independent commission, we are the only games in town. These two intelligence committee investigations, it's a heavy responsibility. I would frankly like to see us doing this jointly with the Senate after 9-11, uh, the House and Senate Intelligence Committees did a joint investigation that accompanied the 9-11 Commission. But in any event, it, it won't have much value if we're not able to do this jointly. What did you think when you heard President Trump accuse President Obama of wiretapping him during the campaign? Well, I didn't think I could be shocked anymore by what the president says, but I have to say this took my breath away. It had elements of fantasy, elements of paranoia. Uh, when you couple it with another tweet he sent out at the same time about Arnold Schwarzenegger's bad ratings, it also had just a, a flavor of, is this person living in the real world? Uh, who does that? I mean, who makes that kind of accusation? And, and certainly not a president of the United States. The problem with all of this, of course, is the crises we've had over the last five or six weeks of this presidency have been all internally created. But we're going to have a real crisis at some point during his term, and it will be an external crisis, and it may come from North Korea or Iran, uh, and we need to have a president that has some credibility, not only with the American people, but with the rest of the world. And when he says things like this, he loses more and more credibility that he will simply never get back, and that's a real problem uh, for the United States, for our security, for our place in the world, and from a constitutional point of view, someone who doesn't respect the judicial branch who thinks the press are the enemy of the people, uh, who will uh, accuse his predecessor of gross illegality uh, from a constitutional system. He also seems to be a president who doesn't know right from wrong. As a federal prosecutor, in 1990, you won a conviction of an FBI agent who passed secret documents to the Soviet Union. In 2012, GOP presidential candidate Mitt Romney said Russia was our chief geopolitical foe. So what's happened to change our longstanding position that Russia is a rival and a danger? Well, I think President Obama really put his finger on this uh, a couple months ago when he talked about how ironic it was that the party of Ronald Reagan was coming to embrace the Kremlin and was willing to accept Russian intervention in our election because it helped them and hurt the Democrats. That our partisanship had gotten to that extreme where that kind of foreign intervention was if not welcomed, it was at least uh, accepted. I have to think that Mitt Romney or John McCain, when they were running for president, the Russians had done this. They would have had the character uh, and stature to say, uh, Russians, butt out. Your California colleague, Devin Nunes, was asked about uh, Donald Trump's claim that the Obama administration had wiretapped him. And he said, look, the president just lacks experience in politics. And the larger argument has been he's new to this governance business. Just give him a break. Uh, maybe you could say that. Uh, but you can't normalize this kind of behavior. Uh, and it's one thing to make a minor misstep. Uh, it's another thing to accuse your predecessor of uh, gross illegality and do so without any basis whatsoever. Uh, and I think we have to acknowledge that this is not going to change. This is going to be who he is. And it cannot mean that we accept this as, as now okay, that that's just the president being the president. It's not okay. Obviously, there are other things on your to-do list than just this. Foremost among them now may be the health care changes. It's 
it's always been clear uh, over the years, uh, as the GOP touted uh, repeal and replace, that they had no replacement in mind, that uh, there were individual Republicans that had individual ideas. Some just wanted to repeal it and leave it at that. Uh, others uh, wanted to uh, enact some kind of tax cut. But we're seeing it now quite graphically, how little of a plan they have. What they released is, you know, breathtaking in certain respects. Uh, it has tax cuts in it for very wealthy people, which is kind of striking in a health care reform. Uh, it also uh, provides an incentive to increase the pay of insurance company executives by uh, increasing the amount which can be tax deductible. So it's using tax dollars to support uh, increases in executive salaries for insurance company personnel. Uh, and it's also cutting Medicaid and meaning that uh, millions of people are going to lose their health insurance. Uh, and even then, uh, it doesn't have enough Republican support to pass. And when you see the president uh, express surprise, that gosh, this is actually kind of complicated. Uh, you wonder, you know, what did they think it was? The president, I remember as a candidate, said, you know, he was going to promise better health care, cheaper prices, and, and he was really good at this, so we could believe him. Well, now we see that his being really good at this means okay, Congress come up with something, and, and I'll sign off on it. And what they've come up with uh, is getting almost uniformly bad reviews, uh, bad reviews from conservatives like the Heritage Foundation, bad reviews from the AARP, bad reviews from the AMA. What we're going to have to do, uh, frankly, is uh, what we have been, which is expose the flaws in this. Uh, how much will their premiums go up, and how many millions of people will lose their health insurance? I can certainly understand why they don't want that to come out yet, uh, but it's our job to push for that. It's our job to expose these problems. We're not going to become complicit in helping the Republicans uh, disenfranchise people from their health care. We've seen uh, proposals to cut the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration cuts to the Department of the Interior. There's so many things happening in what will be a forthcoming budget. What are the Democrats' plans to deal with these? One of the challenges we have is being able to prioritize and focus and decide, okay, which fights are we going to attach the greatest urgency and priority to? The concerns over violations of the Emoluments Clause, uh, with uh, the effort to defund Planned Parenthood and the Affordable Care Act replacement, uh, to the cuts to the State Department of uh, over a third of the State Department. Uh, and, uh, and there are innumerable problems with what this administration is trying to do and what the majority is complicit in, and our challenge in the minority is uh, being able to highlight uh, the most egregious, uh, being able to uh, spotlight uh, where there are the biggest uh, ethical and constitutional problems, uh, and, and trying to put some guardrails around this administration and this majority. We're at a singular time in history where we're finding out just how fragile our democracy is. You, you grow up, as I have, uh, in in the latter part of the, the 20th century, and you believe that everything is quite solid and we have this brilliantly written Constitution, uh, and all of a sudden you realize the Constitution is brilliantly written, but it's not self-executing. And there are certain norms of behavior that have guided us and made that democracy work, and now those norms are being thrown out on a daily basis, and it's really quite fragile. I think the reason we are where we are today and have this president is uh, there were enough people around the country that looked at all the candidates for president, all of the Democrats and all of the Republicans, and concluded, you know, they're all basically the same. I don't believe any of them. I don't believe any of them are going to do anything different. There's only one guy that looks different, and that's Donald Trump. Uh, and I'm at 
so much at my wits end, I'm willing to roll the dice on this guy. And it was a, a heck of a roll of the dice. And I understand why people decided they were willing to take that risk. Uh, unfortunately, now we're seeing the, the downsides of taking a risk like that. Uh, so that underlying problem, though, that nobody seemed to be speaking to a large part of the country with sufficient resonance that they thought that there would be real change to their life, that has to be addressed. That, that worry is still out there. That uh, lack of faith in governance is still out there. So there's a lot of uh, you know, confidence-building measures that we have to undertake uh, you know, across our society. And I think it starts by listening to people. And, and I think uh, for my party, we made a mistake of really not uh, trying to talk to people in large parts of the country. And I certainly hope that that's corrected because not only success of my party, but I think to get our democracy back on track, we're going to have to address those fundamental concerns. Well, thank you for that, Congressman Schiff. Thank you. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. I am Pat Morrison. <laughs>